When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan, and together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, Jamie, we're going to be exploring some of the spookiest places around the region. Ooh. (laughs) I knew one of us was going to do it. (laughs) I'm glad it was you. Happy to do it. But, uh, Jamie, we're hearkening back to... Maybe a little similar vibes to the series we did back in the spring. It seems like ages ago here. Uh, our campfire stories here on the Peak Northwest podcast. That's right. We told some really good spooky stories back then um, and some non-spooky stories as well. Yeah. And this time we're going to bring some of those spooky vibes back in honor of Halloween or Samhain or midfall or whatever you celebrate this time of year as we are approaching the darkest days of the year. So I think one of the, the really fun ways that you can explore that, because especially haunted houses are um, maybe not a safe thing to do this year or haunted corn mazes or that sort of thing. If you want to still get out, there's lots of really spooky places in and around Oregon that you can go, you know, get your creep on if that's what you want. Totally. We're talking military batteries, ghost towns, tunnels, Haunted hotels, if that's your vibe. Uh, We've got a good bit of everything. Actually, like I would say a pretty solid amount of spooky stuff here throughout the state. Probably every state has that, but I feel like we've got a pretty good list here, Jamie. I think so. You know, whether you're into ghosts or just like dark places or, you know, foggy forests or whatever. I mean, there's plenty of places to, to go find some of that spooky vibes. Yeah. And I'll say, and I think you echo some of this. We haven't been to all the places we're going to rattle off here, but all of them seem like worthy destinations for a good spooky outing of sorts, whatever it is you may be into. So Jamie, how do you want to do this? You want to just jump right in? Let's just jump right in just as we might into a uh, spooky place Uh with both feet and uh, courage in our souls. (laughs) (laughs) consider me a bastion of courage here in my closet (laughs) recording in in the dark i guess daylight dark here you know i've got uh, a closet door that unfortunately doesn't really have a nice door handle on the inside uh, so it's not perfectly sealed and i've got a little 
little daylight coming through and uh, a little flashlight on my iPhone. So uh, I suppose I could like put it up <laughs> to my face and do some sort of spooky vibes here. Uh, let's just pretend. Why don't we? So we've got a heck of a list here. Uh, and Jamie, I'm going to start from the top. We've got military batteries. We're not talking double A's. We're not talking triple A's. We're talking old military bunkers. Yeah, these we talked a little bit about these back in our um, Astoria episode. So these are old artillery batteries. So basically concrete bunkers um, where you might put big guns uh, at the mouth of the Columbia River. Um, some of these and were in place since the Civil War. They put a lot more of them in place during World War II when Americans were concerned about the Japanese coming and attacking the Columbia River. So they exist today as kind of these abandoned structures. Um, I think one of the spookiest ones for me is up at Cape Disappointment State Park on the Washington side of the Columbia River. There's one up on this hill, um, this sort of this Lewis and Clark landmark. And it's just basically a, a big hill with these concrete tunnels built into it. And there's not like any lights or, you know, any kind of um, structures or signs inside. It's just basically a dark concrete tunnel with a lot of little tiny pitch black rooms Ooh. inside. I mean, I I don't get super creeped out easily, but walking inside of this, I could feel like the hair stand up in the back of my neck. Um, I re had really wished I had brought a flashlight with me oh. um, as you walk inside. And I mean, I could see some light at the very far end, but I mean, I was just passing these little tiny dark rooms and not that like anyone would be in there to jump out or something weird like that, but you still have that thought, you know, it's like being in a horror movie, you're walking through like a, you know, a, a dark tunnel and you don't know what's going to be in there. Um, so, I mean, for me, that is like among the creepiest situations I have been in in Oregon. And there's a ton of these batteries all around Fort Stevens State Park, uh, Fort Canby. If you're around the mouth of the Columbia River, you can find these batteries everywhere and you can tour them um, as long as the park is open. Sounds downright spooky. Hair on the back of your neck, standing up. Military batteries, one way to do that. Ghost towns, another way to do that. So we've got Jamie... I'm going to defer pronunciation to you because I don't uh -oh. even know, or I can try, uh, Shaniko. Am I right on that? Am I wrong on that? Uh, you know, I've heard people say Shaniko. I've heard people say Shanico. Uh, Shanico you know, sounds I'm, better. Maybe we'll go with Shanico then. Um, I think that's probably one of the only hard ones to pronounce. Yeah. What else you got, Jim? Okay. We got Shanico, Hardman, Bunkam, and Galena. This sounds about right. Sounds reasonable. I've never been to any of these places. I'll admit that I, I don't know basically a thing about any of these places. I'm leaning hard on you for this one, Jamie. Jim, I honestly, I don't know a ton about them either. The problem is that these uh, are towns that used to exist. Um, and in some cases, they have um, very small populations remaining. Um, but what you're looking at are basically abandoned Old West buildings. And Oregon has a lot of them because we, you know, were sort of a pioneer state when the white settlers came through, um, especially during the gold rush. You saw people set up these sort of temporary towns that maybe they would evolve into cities, um, you know, like Baker City did, for example. Um, but a lot of them just sort of fell by the wayside. So you have these kind of old boarded up 1800s wooden buildings. You know, they call them ghost towns because it seems like there's nothing there. But, you know, the ghosts of the people that uh, used to live there. I find them really interesting. 
you know, I haven't gone to a lot of them, but I think it's a, a cool historical kind of landmark to see why these buildings still stand. Because, I mean, let's be honest, you're not going to do a ton of upkeep to keep these, mm-hmm. you know, old buildings up. Some of them they do. Um, but a lot of them, they're just eventually going to just fall over someday. So it's a cool place to go see that. But I think definitely too, just given sort of the abandoned nature of them, it definitely is, I think, a spooky destination. And something you could probably link up and do a number of these on a road trip if you wanted to dedicate a weekend to some spooky vibes, you know, hitting a couple Oregon ghost towns, if you will. Sounds reasonably good to me. Absolutely. Well, Jim, speaking of ghosts, there's also a number of hotels in Oregon that supposedly are haunted. Yeah, we're talking the Benson Hotel in Portland, Mm -hmm. Hotel Oregon in McMinnville, which is, by the way, the most majestic uh, of the hotel names. It just sounds cool. (laughs) Hotel Oregon. Yeah, exactly. It's the hotel. And then Geyser Grand out in Baker City. So you've got options. Basically, number of different places throughout the state. Go get yourself some haunted vibes and a comfy bed to sleep in. Yeah, you know, I don't know the ghost stories behind all these hotels, but these are all places that supposedly have hauntings uh, reported. So, I mean, if that is your your thing, want to go check out some ghosts, these are a few. And there's, I think, a few other hotels around Oregon as well that have, you know, history of of ghost sightings. So I'd say go check some of those places out. And, you know, maybe staying in a hotel right now isn't the number one thing that you want to be getting into in the COVID era, but remains as an option if you're down with mask wearing and trying to stay distant indoors. An outdoor option, though, if we want to stick in the Portland area uh, from the Benson Hotel, you've got actually a number of different options, two of which we can highlight here. Uh, one that's on one of my kind of favorite in town, easy meandering trails, going to check out the stone house or, uh, as it's perhaps more affectionately known, the witch's castle in forest park, just up the trail from lower McClay park. And also, uh, right where the wildwood trail, the long 30 ish mile trail swoops right on through. This is an old stone structure that is just full of spooky vibes. Yeah. I mean, it was originally um, just a a restroom, apparently, Um, that was built there in, um, I want to say it was just before the Depression, the 1920s or so, uh, 1930s maybe. Um, And it was a a restroom that, you know, they built sort of this stone building. And the the story is that a storm knocked out the uh, water line or, or the power to it. And so they basically just gutted the structure and left it there, um, you know, to sort of exist in the park. So there's not like any necessarily spooky history to it. But since then, I think a lot of people have ascribed this sort of spooky nature to it. I mean, it's an old ruined stone building in the middle of the woods. Um, You know, obviously the name Witch's Castle kind of implies how people have thought about it mm-hmm. in recent years. Um, You know, you can see a lot of graffiti on it as well. So, I mean, it's it's one of these structures that's... I think um, both beloved and perhaps abused as well, I think from some people, but definitely if you're talking about spooky vibes in Portland, that is one of the number one spots you can find uh, in the outdoors. Yeah. And will assuredly draw uh, some level of a crowd this time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when I swung by, geez, it was probably in November of 2019, uh, just during the daytime on, I think it was on a weekend, 
Lots of people hanging out there. Uh, it's a pretty easy place to access, only a short hike, uh, which is worth it in and of itself, I might add. Yeah, good spot, Jamie. Witch's Castle, Stonehouse, whatever you want to call it. And I'll set us up with one more uh, Portland option that unfortunately closed during the pandemic right now. Uh, at the time being, Shanghai Tunnels, cool spot, but... Uh, Check their website and make sure they're open uh, before you head downtown and check them out. But one last option uh, before you leave the Portland area, out on Savvy Island, Jamie, what is spooky? We got pumpkin patches. We got (laughs) beaches. We got Columbia River vibes. Uh, I'm scratching my head about what is spooky out there. You know, I don't know. I put this on the list, Jim. Maybe it's just because I spent, you know, some of my childhood out in... um, the suburbs of Pennsylvania, where you have a lot of sort of those cornfields and the haunted hay mm-hmm. rides and that kind of thing. I just associate that kind of landscape with like haunted things and creepiness, you know, cornfields with like, you know, crows and, you know, I don't know. There's something about that area that just is a little spooky. And it might be too, because they, they always will have haunted corn mazes or haunted houses out there. Um, you know, this year, those things may or may not be happening. Um, so don't necessarily count on that. But even just kind of walking through the woods there or, you know, driving past those, you know, those fields, I don't know, just maybe I'm just alone in this, but I just get like a little bit of a spooky vibe just even being out there. Yeah, that's fair. I I mean, you've got that that sensory tie back to your childhood, right? You can remember what it felt like Mm -hmm. to be a little spooked. I think that's reasonable. Maybe other folks have similar vibes going on. So, Jamie, before we shift gears... Anything else you'd want to shout out of the spooky places? You know, I'll shout out uh, the Oregon Vortex. My favorite, uh, or one of my favorite, I guess, roadside attractions in Oregon. Spooky is not necessarily the word I'd use for it, but I think some people might be spooked out by it for sure. Um, so if you're not familiar, the Vortex is this um, this place where um, weird things happen. I don't really know how to explain it. Um, <laughs> but they have... Like a, uh, you know, a house where brooms will stand on end or, you know, uh, you know, balls will roll in weird ways. Um, you know, people seem to change height depending on which, you know, side of a, an area they stand on. And you hear it and you kind of roll your eyes about it. Like, uh, uh-huh, sure. There's some kind of trick to it. But, you know, it, being there, I was sufficiently interested by it. You know, with the people who run it now, they don't try to give any kind of like crazy showman's uh, response about it. They just basically say, this is a weird place. We don't know what the deal is. Come check it out. So, I mean, you know, again, it's not kind of like spooky in that scary sense, but it's definitely kind of eerie. I'd use that word. It's definitely an eerie place. One more that I'll throw out there, too. Uh, I don't know how we've gone so far and completely blazed past the haunted hotels, but Timberline Lodge has some kind of spooky vibes going on as well of the shining lore. True. You yeah. know, that that might freak some people out. It's not necessarily Halloween vibes, but still eerie, if you will. Uh, similar feeling. Yeah. You know, for people who maybe saw the shining and got creeped out by that, even just looking at the outside of the building where they shot those exterior shots, that might be enough to uh, send a chill down the spine. I like that, Jamie. Well, we're going to talk about some more spooky places around Oregon, all of which are in the outdoors right after a short break. 
All right, folks, we are back talking about spooky, eerie places throughout the state in honor of Halloween or whatever folks are celebrating this time of year. And we've talked a lot about human-made places, some hotels, some military batteries, other places where you can go visit to feel a little spooked. But Jamie, let's talk nature. One of the things we talk best here on the podcast, I think you can definitely channel some eerie vibes, a little bit of some Halloween time spook out in like, I don't know, the foggy coastal forest, uh, something like that. Is that just me? No, totally. I mean, talking about being spooked in nature is a little bit harder for me because I typically am more just interested and odd by it rather than creeped out. But yeah, I think when you're looking at those foggy forest vibes, there's definitely something very spooky about it, especially as you're getting towards maybe the end of the day and it's getting a little dark, you know, um, you start hearing maybe owls hooting out there or some twigs breaking off in the brush. You can definitely get creeped out there pretty easily. I think these these coastal forests, especially um, when you get some of that mist and fog rolling in off the ocean, are really susceptible to maybe some of that, you know, dense forest, dense mist, and definitely some spooky vibes. Yeah, I mean, tucked back in there deep in the forest, doing a hike, uh, you're kind of socked in by fog. You've got maybe some of that dampness that you associate with hiking this time of year or, you know, as we get deeper into the fall you maybe are hearing a little bit of creaking around in the forest, kind of get those vibes of like, all right, the hair on my arms might stand up, might get that little chill down my spine. Who's out here watching me? I don't know. I maybe get those vibes more often than you do, especially if I'm out there by myself. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, something to welcome and commune with this time of year. Absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously be safe and all that. But I don't know. Pretty cool to go out there in the forest and just kind of soak it up. Allow yourself to be a little spooked, maybe. Yeah. You know, I said there's, there's probably only been like that I can remember. There's been two experiences in, in my um, natural excursions where I've felt sufficiently spooked and spooked out enough to like retreat okay. and go back. Um, I can tell you about the second one in a bit, but the first one is definitely in some of the caves in Oregon. So my experience um, of this was trying to find Skylight Cave, which is out there near Sisters in the Central Oregon Desert. Um, and you kind of drive down this this you know small forest road out in the middle of nowhere, and eventually there's just like a wooden sign and a ladder going into the ground. And I had brought, I think I had a headlamp with me because I would, didn't expect to have to like go spelunking or anything. Mm -hmm. And I got to the bottom of the ladder and there's, there were two ways to go and I couldn't see light at the end of either of them. <laughs> um, and so I was like, well, one of them is going to lead to the skylights that kind of these big openings mm -hmm. in the roof of the cave that, you know, it let the light stream in beautifully. And the other is going to go into the darkness forever. <laughs> so it feels like. And so I, I decided to just pick one direction. I started walking in and I got, oh God, Jim, I don't know. I maybe only got like 10 feet in before I've just, my body became paralyzed oh. um, with this, like walking into the darkness. My headlamp, of course, did nothing. You need more than a headlamp in a cave. My God. Um, and I had to turn around and go back. And so I turned around and like hustled back to the ladder. And as I was there, I kind of just peered down the other direction and 
you know, duck down a little bit. And sure enough, I could see those, those, uh, the sunlight uh. streaming in through those skylights and was able to walk right to it. But that feeling I got of like that fear, that paralyzing fear going into the darkness, I never felt anything quite like that before. And that's a feeling I, I have since gotten in some of these other caves around the area. I got to tell you, I don't like going into caves. I just You're don't. not into it. It, it, it. No, it creeps me out too much. I mean, I, I will say it's not something I have a ton of experience doing. The the only relevant, uh, I would say relevant experience, similar experience I have is when we, my family over kind of the end of summer, early fall, usually before the kids would go back to school, we as as youths would go to my aunt and uncle's property up in Ontario, Canada, you know, grew up in Michigan, would take the family camper up there and we would go kind of ride four wheelers around, do some hiking, do some swimming, do some exploring, camping vibes right before we'd head back to school for the fall. And it was a great part of summer. And one of the things that we would do when we would go up there is we would take a hike, did this a couple of times, to this old cave of some sort. You would, you know, kind of shimmy your way down this shaft into an area big enough where you could stand up and kind of meander your way back through this cave. And at some point, inevitably, we would be like, all right, now we're turning off the lights, uh, you know, wh- whether that was flashlights or headlamps or whatever it was at that point. And being completely in the dark, you know, the the old adage, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's naturally spooky, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then throw in kind of the maybe the dampness of the cave, the fact that there are bats living in the cave, you know, they're animal that most of us aren't super familiar with or comfortable around. Uh, you're talking some uneven terrain and oh yeah, the fact that you can't see a thing, pretty spooky. Also pretty cool, but pretty spooky. Ugh. Yeah, Jim, I think you hit it. It's like, it's the darkness plus kind of that cold dampness that feels kind of like death and the tight spaces, you know, like the whole squeezing yourself through a tiny space in a cave. That is, that is not anything I am ever about to do. (laughs) Yeah. I have never Never. done that. I'm not signing up to do that. I've definitely read some cool and watched maybe some cool videos about folks who do some of that cave exploring. Uh, And while it may seem tempting, I don't know, Jamie, I've said it before. I'm not trying to add any more hobbies to the list. And, <laughs> and quite frankly, I don't know. That one it freak, probably would freak me out a, a decent bit. So I'll stay away for now. Yeah. But Jim, while you're talking about Michigan, um, my second sort of spooky nature experience was actually in Michigan, your neck of the woods, huh? out there at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore on Lake Superior, um, which, Jim, I'm sure you've probably been up there. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I walked down to the beach and I was having a, a nice time. We were kind of exploring the little beach and decided to walk up alongside uh, one of the cliffs and just walk out into the lake a little bit. And I think it was probably only like knee deep, waist deep water. Um, and it was clear enough that you could start to see sort of the bottom of it and, you know, see kind of the, the way the, the lake bed worked. And I got out there just probably out right about to the end of the cliff. And I looked down and just right where I was about to step, I saw just a chasm open up underneath of me where the <laughs> lake bed just dropped off dramatically. And it was just in that 
one instant, I just felt like shivers go up my entire body. And I just like, oh, wow. had this, you know, this uh, involuntary shudder. And I had to step back <laughs> really nervously to get myself away from that, uh, what looked like a precipice into nothingness. <laughs> so, you know, Oof. I think, I think there's some, you know, some common themes here, at least looking at my own self. It's like, you know, these falling into these, these sort of unknown places, um, you know, whether, and I think we can look at this for a lot of these places we're talking about. I think the unknown is a large uh, part of this, whether it's, you know, these foggy forests, what's out there or these caves of, we can't see what's around us or, you know, even like the witch's castle, right? It's like, what is this building? What was it used for? You know, what's the history? Um, it seems like I think the, the fear of the unknown is high when it comes to being spooked out in nature. Um, I think that especially goes for folks who maybe don't spend a lot of time in nature and for whom everything is the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. We talk to people, you know, beginner campers who are really nervous about going outside and sleeping outside because you don't know what's out there. And you hear some sounds around your tent late at night and you don't know what that is. You know, it's probably a raccoon or a skunk or something. Um, you know, but you have no idea and your mind starts concocting all of these ideas. So, you know, I, I like to tell people to generally to help them uh, break out of that fear and to embrace the unknown while they're out in nature. Um, you know, I think, Jim, it, it can be fun to kind of embrace that being spooked outside, too. I think that's kind of part of what this season is all about. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, maybe that'll encourage me to next time I hear something rustle outside my tent to not be spooked. But let's be honest, pretty much every time you do get that kind of hyper awareness, <laughs> every time it comes with like, oh, man, what is that? What is going on out there? You try to slow that breathing down, be really quiet. Yeah, we've all been there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every person who slept in a tent. I would wager. I, I don't like to use the words every and all, but every person I bet who slept in a tent has at least some familiarity with the what's going on out there kind exactly. of feel. So, exactly. Jamie, with all of that said, I think we've got spooky vibes for days, if not weeks here. Encourage some folks to go check these places out. But... Until next time here on the podcast, you folks can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen. <laughs>